Go ahead and start trying to find Ezekiel in your Bible, chapter 34. But the text today is generated from one verse in Psalm chapter 78, verse 72. It is an epitaph that I pray God can be said of me when my service on this earth is done. For in this passage is the summation of all I desire as a minister and as a man. Ezekiel 34. Just go find it, please. I'm going to talk about Ezekiel 34 after I talk a little bit about Psalm 78, verse 72. The Word of God says, So He shepherded them according to the integrity of His heart and led them with His skillful hands. Holy and gracious God, may Your Spirit give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that with the eyes of our hearts enlightened, we may know the hope to which Christ has called us and the riches of His glorious inheritance among us and the greatness of of His power for all who believe. In His name, I pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning an event has happened that I hope you never ever have to face, nor myself. One of the greatest men of God in the modern era passed away this week, and you have never heard of him. He is a megachurch pastor that started the church in a trailer 25 years ago. You haven't heard of him. You're thinking you're talking of Dr. Charles F. Stanley, the greatest modern era pastor in the sense of a preaching pastor. You're thinking of Dr. Timothy Keller who passed away on the same day as the man I am drawing some what of an inspiration from his ministry to speak to you on this part, knowing on this fact some of you will be in this position soon, losing a loved one, not your pastor, by God's grace. But I want you to imagine this morning that you walked into a, the largest church in your denomination that can seat 4,000 people and your venerable pastor of 25 years who knew your name, your kid's name, and the kids sitting next to you, and walked amongst you, and he faithfully preached the sacraments, prayer, and the Word of God, and made it his purpose to know every person was walking in obedience to the Lord. Imagine you walked into the church this morning to find out that he had been claimed by a car accident. His name is Dr. Harry Reeder. Dr. Reeder was a Baptist in North Carolina. And like so many of us Baptists, we find our, our historical roots in the Scottish Reformation. And he became a Presbyterian, which I would tell Dr. Reeder, you were not a very good Baptist. 
Dr. Reeder was one of the founding fathers of the Presbyterian Church of America. And last year I found Dr. Reeder and I began to listen to him and I told an illustration once that I got straight from him. I told you about this and this is, the, I know some of you do this and it's perfectly fine with me. You do not, uh, this is not a, but he was preaching to a room of preachers and he said, I just want to say something. I love technology. I think technology is wonderful, but reading your Bible on a computer screen or on an iPhone is kind of like kissing your wife through a screen door. <laughs> Dr. Reeder led a group of men and called the Gospel Reformation Network of PCA pastors to gather prayerfully for a great meeting last summer that was going to decide the fate of what kind of ministers, the sex of ministers and the beliefs of ministers would have in the great old American presbytery. And they didn't fight and they didn't fuss, they prayed. They didn't do it like the Baptists do it, they prayed. Just two weeks ago, they celebrated the unanimous passing of last summer's resolutions that righted the ship. And Dr. Reeder was there as the keynote speaker, a man amongst friends. They just call me Harry. And then following, he was at the massive Ligonier Conference, which has every restless, reformed young person and preacher in the nation and from the world speaking on the stage that had in the house that R.C. Sproul built and driving to his study Thursday, he was killed. And I must tell you in my own thoughts, Lord, I could think of some false teachers you could have hit with a bus. Why did you take out a faithful man of God, a sheep now without a shepherd? And his answer was as faster than the question, because he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and led them with skillful hands. This afternoon, I'm going to watch the service. I am quite certain it will be sad, but I am also quite certain that his legacy is that he built into those people an authentic faith that they stood and sang the doxology, the Gloria Patri, the great hymns of the faith, received the word, received the offering, received the supper with joy and adulation because they knew their shepherd wasn't lost, but God had called him home. Some of you are going to lose some of your loved ones. This is part of the motivation. And I, and I ask this question, how can those, because I don't think, you love the church one way, I love the church completely different. I depend on it. Emotionally, spiritually, and financially. I think of those people this morning. I mean, it, the senators from, from Washington, everyone has called in, and just like, we've never heard of Dr. Harry Reeder. You go listen to him. I'm going to tell you something. You need to go listen to him. But I thought of this. Look at me. How do they go to church this morning? What kind of hole 
is in them. He's married generations of families like I will here. Beloved, a minister's minister. How will they even, listen, how will they even be able to stand the loss this morning? There is only one way. And he taught them in Christ alone. I sat in Bill White's chair the other night at Bible study. It's the first time I've been to the house since October the 4th. Well, second time. I admire the courage of our older women of faith, and we have many. That was hard for, for Johnny, I'm sure, to have the church over there, and there's a picture of Bill staring at me, my friend, and sitting in his chair. For many days, he bled me out. There have been many, many dark moments for me because of his absence. I'm at the stage now in my ministry. I have to start bearing the ones I love the most. But I can stand and I can teach and I can preach because there is one who causes us to stand. And when we've done everything to stand and stand fast, he tells us, keep on standing. And it's Christ. I have watched my sweet wife grieve as her connection to her past has passed away with her father. I have been there in the moments when the cracker loses its cheese and falls on the floor. I have seen the panic, I've seen the sorrow, and I still have not learned what is a more powerful emotion, unforgiveness or grief. But she stands because of the one who is in her makes her strong. Harry Reeder pastored that congregation to do exactly what it's doing this morning gathering together because worship is not about a minister. Worship is about the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. And when you look here at Psalm chapter 78, it ends with this passage in verse 72. God has made a divine decree beginning in verse 67. He says, He also rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, the poorest, the worst, and the weakest tribe. Mount Zion, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary like the heights and like the earth, which he was, has founded forever, and he chose David the least among a bunch of brothers, a little scrawny shepherd boy, and took him from the sheepholds, from following the nursing ewes, and brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people Israel, and Israel his inheritance. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and led them with his skillful hands. Write this down. I said this last week, I want to hit on it again. 
in our relationship together as humans, we are not done wounding each other. We're going to say something that's going to be wrong. We're going to look some way, touch something, do something. We're not done wounding each other. And I'm going to tell you why. Because no one in here intentionally wounds anybody. If you did, you wouldn't be in here. We'd already taken care of you. But the reason we're going to continue to wound each other is because we're sinful. And God is going to use the wounds to make us wise. Except for those who choose to remember the wounds. You have to make a decision if you're going to be a wounded person or a wise person. And it came to me this morning as I was studying this, why all the heartache of ministry? I had my own epiphany this morning. Why all the heartache, all the pain, all of it? It is so that I may shepherd you by the integrity of my heart and the skillfulness of my hands. But the majority of places are not so favored. I want you to look at Ezekiel chapter 34. I want you to see something. This is a prophetic condemnation against the wicked shepherds of Israel. You can think of this as an epic condemnation of our government or any civic leader who uses his place of power for his own advancement. We live in the day, our, we, we, those of us Gen Xers and older, we grew up in a time where we had a government by the people and for the people. We now have a government by the government for the government. But it is not the government I wish to talk about. And it is not the church I wish to talk about. It's the pastors. Friday night on FX, they began a six-part series on the fall of Hillsong. The massive amount of money, sexual abuse, and everything. Some of the greatest music came out of there. We will not play one song by them. The pastor loved to meet women and parishioners at hotels, and he was busted. And that, that trail is going to find its way to Southlake, I'm afraid to say. And God said the judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. And God is tired of the wicked shepherds. But they will continue. But I think the greatest thing could be you could pastor a megachurch and nobody know who you was. Were. Like a Harry Reader. But you see, God says something in this prophecy against this. I want you to look at this. In, Mark chapter, in Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord sends Ezekiel to warn the shepherds of Israel. They are charged with a spiritual care and they are told that they have not been doing the job and God's wrath is going to be against them for their wickedness because they have not been faithful and true to preach the heart of God as revealed in the Scripture. And He promises though that He will provide shepherds 
for those whom He has chosen for salvation. So beginning in verse 34, verse 1 of chapter 34, it says, In the word of God came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says Yahweh, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been shepherding themselves, should, should not shepherd, shepherd shepherd the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You sacrifice the fat sheep without shepherding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. You have not searched for the lost, but with strength and severity, have, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of shepherding, and they became food for every beast of the field and scattered. I'm going to tell you what that means. That's every book and video and pop culture preacher and saying today. You don't have to worry about lions and tigers and bears coming. You just, you're going to get it through your ears. That's how it's coming. You can surround yourself with people that you like to hear. And it is a fulfillment of prophecy, of scripture. There's a time that they will no longer listen to sound teaching. And it's because of this morning and a man's 25-year legacy of sound teaching, his people can come together and know Harry's time is up, but ours is now. We will worship our God. Whereas if he was on vacation, they would be there too. But there are many who go on vacation. What happens? So do you. But they're not, those kinds are not regular anyway. My flock wandered through all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the surface of the earth and there was no one to seek or search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of Yahweh. As I live, declares the Lord, surely because my flock has become plunder, my flock has become food for all the beasts of the field, for the lack of a shepherd, my shepherds did not seek my flock, but rather the shepherds shepherded themselves and did not shepherd my flock. Therefore, shepherds, hear my words. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will seek my flock, from their hand and make them cease from shepherding the flock. So the shepherds will not shepherd themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. That is the reason I don't quit. Ezekiel condemns the wicked shepherds of Israel. There are more wicked shepherds in this country and wicked people following them than righteous men preaching and righteous men following. Because of an evangelical push, our, our national senator has decided Congress needs to spend all the money to investigate Bud Light because of a transgendered man put on the can. Who cares? Because I'm going to tell you what I remember about Anheuser-Busch. I'm not pro-alcohol. But I remember when the hurricanes came. They shut down the beer production and they started putting water in beer cans by the truckloads and went out there and helped people at their own dime. 
Who cares? You know who the victim in all of that is besides the evangelicals and Ted Cruz? The young man whose face is on that can. And the reason people are eat up with that is because of wicked shepherds. Well, we got to fight. There's nothing to fight. If he's for us, who can be against us? We win. So what does God do? God in His absolute marvelous wisdom, He sends Ezekiel to warn the shepherds and says, Your time is up. And He had sent men to feed the people His word, to fend off the wolves, and to bind up the injured with healing bombs of the gospel. That God is able. Apart from God, there's nothing else. You cannot please God without faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Turn their hearts to me, shepherds. Just preach my love letter. But he says, oh no, you're done. You have failed in your holy calling to carry out the Word of God and my commandment. And so therefore, the people were were scattered by the wind of false doctrine, which is mentioned specifically in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. Today the pastors fail to preach the law of God. Every week you see in the bulletin it says, Hear the law of God. The law of God is anything God commands for us. The law of God is filled with sternness. And the gospel of God is filled with sweetness. I don't know how many of you put salt on your cantaloupe, but it makes it sweeter. I don't know how many of you put salt on your watermelon, but it makes it sweeter. I can tell if Kelly makes the cookies or Truett does, because Kelly puts salt in the cookies. It makes them sweeter. These sheep have been left scattered, vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. And this is a harsh warning to pastors today who take lightly the call that God has extended to them to care for the church. A pastor's primary job is more than the sum of all of the other things together. Is to feed God's sheep and prepare them to sacrifice their lives for Christ. You, most of you, are used to believing a pastor is a chaplain. I know this to be true because of the rich well and resources I have that are not drawn upon that have been sent here. I want you when you'll pray with me or you'll text me. But the rich knowledge that has been given through pain, suffering, and stripes and strife. That's what a pastor does. That's what Dr. Reeder did. That's what my pastor did. And that's got me run off from every place but this one. George made sure we set the bylaws in my contract 
that it never happened. They're not going to run you off because of the color of the carpet or the furnishings of the kitchen. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. In spite of all of that warning, God does something miraculous. He promises them a shepherd. Not the, sheep, not the shepherds that are shepherding themselves. They're damned. They're lost. They are burning. They are in hell now as gnashers. They're there saying, you did this to me after all I've done for you. And their anger will know no boundary. And they will gnash their teeth in eternity. And they have no just cause against God. For thus says the Lord Yahweh, I myself will seek my sheep and care for them as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his sheep which are spread out. I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the people and I will gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and I will shepherd them in the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will shepherd them in good pasture and their grazing will be on the mountain heights of Israel, there, there they will lie down in good grazing ground and be shepherded with rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I know you're thinking the 23rd Psalm. I will shepherd my flock and I will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will search for the lost and I will bring back the scattered. I will bind up the broken. I'll strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will shepherd them with judgment. For as you... My flock, thus says the Lord, as for you, my flock, thus saith the Lord Yahweh, behold, I will be judged between one sheep and another, between the rams and the male goats. It is, too, is, is it too slight of a thing for you that you should be shepherded in the good pasture, but you must tread down with your own feet to rest the rest of your pasture? Or what should you drink of clear water that you must foul the rest with your feet? As for my flock, they must be shepherded so that you tread down with your feet and drink that you foul with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push the side and with the shoulder, and you thrust all the sickly with your horns until you have scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plunder. And I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will shepherd them and he will shepherd them himself and be their shepherd. And I, Yahweh, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Listen, you know, what he's, you know who he's talking to? He's not talking to wicked shepherds. Now he's talking to wicked sheep. You push everybody out of the way to get to the front of the line. You use your shoulder, your weight, your experience, your maturity, whatever, to, make, to take the time of others that so many others need instead. I never told you this when I did the 23rd Psalm with you. But there was a reason the shepherd carried a killing knife. He carried a killing knife not just to notch the ear, to mark the sheep as his. But whenever there became a you or an ewe, for those of you from West Texas, a ewe, whenever there came a ewe, and there'd be little baby lambs 
laying around, the ewe would go up there and she would bounce those lambs around and take their place. And remember, sheep, if they're fearful, they won't feed. And so he'll watch that ewe and watch her going around, pushing her weight around like she is the queen of Sheba. And one day he'll have enough and he'll go out in front of all those sheep and draw that knife across her throat and kill her. Every shepherd still does that to this day. That's exactly what God's saying here. Hubert Wright told me something a long time ago. He, it's the first month I was here. He said, Dr. Egan, God takes care of his men and he takes care of those who don't. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God takes care of his sheep and he takes care of those who don't. And he promises them a shepherd. He says, I'm going to gather my sheep back from the larger flock. Because the whole flock is not mine. But within the flock are my sheep. I will gather them. And I myself, God says, will accomplish this. This is a messianic picture. This is a messianic picture that will be revealed in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. Jesus makes it clear that He is the good shepherd spoken of in, of, in Ezekiel when He says that He gathers His people together through the preaching of the Word. John 10, 27. And more specifically, through the preaching of the cross. John chapter 12, verse 23. This means that Jesus claims to be the good shepherd is the claim of divinity, which is the reason the Jews threatened him and killed him as a blasphemer. Well, there's something else that happens in this chapter. God does not only say he's going to deal with the wicked shepherd. God says he's going to rescue his chosen out of those who look like the chosen. He's going to pull them out and get them himself, himself, but then he says something else. He says, I'm going to promise to provide for you. There is not a man that I can say more about than myself about God providing. And he used you to do it to prove his faithfulness. To all of us. And he gave you a man to teach you the truth. Look what he says. I will cut a covenant of peace with them and cause harmful beasts to cease from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and the sleep and sleep in the woods. Why? Because we pray for those in authority. He's saying, I am going to cause for them to be able to live dignified, godly, peaceful lives, joyfully. Because they're mine. And mine hear my voice. And the proof that mine hear my voice is they do what I say. When Mama called me to dinner, it was only one time that I learned you don't get called twice. You can call me anything, but not late to dinner. 
I will make them in all places around my hill a blessing and I will cause showers to come down in their season and they will shower and they will be showers of blessing. You wonder where that came from. There shall be showers of blessing. And also the trees of the field will yield their fruit. The earth will yield its produce and they will secure on their land. They will know that I am Yahweh. And when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them, they will no longer be plundered to the nations and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely and no one will make them terrible. I will establish for them a renowned planting place and they will not again be victims of famine in the land and they will not bear the dishonor of nations anymore. They will know that I, Yahweh, their God, am with them and that they, the house of Israel, my people declare, they are the house of Israel, my people declares the Lord Yahweh. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are men and I am your God, declares the Lord. That is a direct promise to you sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ and proven by the giving of the Holy Spirit as the down payment. Prosperity preaching, which is done by Southern Baptists as much as Episcopals and Catholics and Charismatics and Pentecostals and everybody else in between, prosperity preaching is exactly opposite of what is being taught here. Because God says, I'm going to be your peace, your shalom. That whenever you're a dollar short and a day late, I'm going to be your peace in the midst of it. We're learning on Wednesday nights about God provides a redeemer kinsman and the one who promised to be the redeemer kinsman for Ruth had not yet executed the deal to become the redeemer kinsman and says to her in chapter 2 verse 12, come and rest under the wing of the Lord. And then in chapter 3 verse 10, he realizes he's the wing of the Lord and tells her, come rest under me. He became the very answer to the prayer and blessing that he prayed over her. How does that happen? Because we are the people of God not the people of the church. His chosen. The ones whom He began a good work in and is faithful to complete it. But we quote verses like this, I'm able to do all things according to the power of Christ that strengthens me. No. It says, I can do all things according to the power of God, according to that which is the called according to His purpose. The called, not called. It's specific and limited. And so I want you to see what happens. God is the one who is producing the prosperity. Now Mike and I have been meeting on Mondays and Fridays at 6.30 a.m. at McDonald's in Sanger. And I've been taking, he's been taking me through a theological book I gave him to read. And we're sharpening... Iron sharpens iron. And we had this discussion the other day about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The name there is Elohim, the covenant name of God, not the personal name of God, which is Yahweh. But in John chapter 1 it says, all things were made by the Logos. Well, that's a different word. So he says, what is it? I said, it's both and. Not either or. Most of us, our faith tradition comes out of either or. We were taught, don't drink, dance, chew, or date girls that do. 
don't play cards at church or dominoes, don't eat on the grounds, all those things. We were given a list of things not to do. And we still carry that bag like Pilgrim carried in Pilgrim's Progress. That to be a Christian is to be less lost-like. Buddhists are very much not very lost-like. But they are lost. Where did seek being Christ-like? That's why you go to church. Is to be fed, to be like Christ. Well, what did Christ do? Christ came to die. To give his life as a ransom. Our very lives are a ransom to each other. My great friend, Johnny Mack, said, Brother James, if we're not here for each other, what are we here for? That's going in the book that gets started June the 19th. There's within my heart is its title. If we're not here for each other, then what are we here for? God's shepherds are not coming to church to have church. They're coming to church to be sinners before their people and together grow in grace. Hospitals don't exist for doctors. Hospitals don't exist For nurses, hospitals exist for what reason? The sick. And the doctor is just as sick as the patient sometimes. So I want you to go back over here then and let me just give you some things in case you're moving on like Care Grace and Mike are going to, it's going to be Care Grace's first time to ever sit under another pastor. Psalm 78. Care Grace, this is somewhat of a charge to you and Mike as to what you look for when you go seek a shepherd. Even though you will sojourn but a few years. Someone please tell me how to find Psalms again. There it is. It's in the middle of the Bible. I want to show you these things very quickly. I want you to write these things down because I was motivated by this because of Dr. Reader. Six things. Psalm, 60, Psalm chapter 78 is a polemic. It is an argument. It's the style the psalm is written in. It's an argument. And it ends with this great valedictory. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and led them with his skillful hands. The desire of my epitaph is that. You used to want it to be turn or burn. I don't want it to be that anymore. (laughs) I told Rick the other day, they also put on it, don't live to be less lost-like, live to be Christ-like. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and led them with his skillful hands. Every man should want to be that man. Because you're as much of a shepherd as I am if you're a dad. So look what it says. So he shepherded them. What does that mean? The word shepherded, number one, means that he ruled. But he ruled in a manner that is conceived of tending sheep and goats. That's how the Hebrew is used there in that sense. He ruled them as one would tend to sheep and goats. Well, let me tell you something. You treat them different. 
because they act different. They may look the same, but they act different. So he knew his flock. When the journey started, those of you that came later on, when the journey started, we had name badges. We did that for about four years, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody would always faithfully go put all those name badges back in order. Katie, I think, did that. <laughs> and she'd say, we need more. There, I was opening that the other day. There's still all those name badges. things, about 120 bucks worth. If anybody needs some name badges, let me know. Call Katie. He knew his sheep, and he knew the goats. He knew them. They knew him. Number two. According to the integrity of his heart, the word integrity means this. Ready? This is how the Hebrews describe it. The state of innocence. The state of innocence. I wish it could mean something else, but I'm going to infer it. When I say in the state of innocence... I think that it would be fair to say he shepherded them with the integrity of his heart, this integrity, for their benefit. For their benefit. Pastor Olin, when I was sitting in his office down at Gateway, getting, trying to figure out if we should resign or not and leave the last place that had rejected our ministry, um, I, uh, he, I told him, and I, and I have this, I, it's in my office, it's hanging on, the, I need to put it in a shadow box because it's, it's the note. And uh, he said, healthy pastors have healthy sheep. And no pastor has ever reproduced a sheep. The sheep will reproduce. All you've got to be is healthy. The state of innocence, from a state of health, from a state of altruism, Number three, it says he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. Number three, the heart. The heart is the locus of man's thought. It's his mind. It's his volition. It's his knowledge. It's his emotion. You can write it down this way. Conscience of knowing the difference between right and wrong. I have made it the rest of my life's goal not to know what's wrong, but to know what is right. I'll leave the rest to everyone else that's trying to figure out whatever they're trying to figure out. I want to know what's right. Because right's always right. It's never wrong and it's always good. That's what he did. He understood his flock from the position of his heart, his mind. He could look at them. He could hear them. He could read them. He could watch them. He could respond to them. He could speak. That's what, that's what makes it so hard for me to turn that camera on. I'm no one else's pastor. I'm yours. And I need you as much as you need me or more. I have to go to church and be with the great assembly of this, God, of this community whose sole goal is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so I watch 
He watched. Number four, it says skillfulness. I want you to write this down and understand this. And brothers and sisters, please hear my, my heart on this. I want you to take benefit of this. I want you to take benefit of this. I have a need to let it out. But this skillfulness is this. In the Hebrew, it means his capacity for understanding. It's the word for wisdom. Do you know how long it took David to finally ascend the throne? 20 years. And what did he do from the time that Samuel anointed him until he ascended the throne? He ran. He ran. He was hunted by King Saul. Had two times he could have whacked him. He became a man of war. Not a man of bloodshed. But he secured the peace of the nation that his son Solomon would never ever have to array Israel's army for battle. He brought peace. Just like Ezekiel said, I would raise one up who would bring peace. But we worship one who is called the Prince of Peace, who is not in a kingdom come, but a kingdom now, and is seated at the right hand of the Father praying for intercession, and the Trinity is praying with groanings on our behalf that God's will, which is perfect and glorious and without stain or fault or merited, is executed perfectly in the lives of all those who believe. And all the rest doesn't matter. This is why it is so important to make the decision. If you're wounded, learn from it and be wise. The, my heroes, Martin E. Moeller, the great pastor. If you had never figured it out yet, I love pastors. They are my favorite people. I cannot ever imagine myself being retired and going to a church. But if I retire, I'm going to sit on the back row, and I'm going to watch some young guy, and I'm going to wink at him and call him a cute kid no matter what. And if he wishes to take advantage of my skill and capacity, he may have it. But I'm not there to fix him. Because if I'm in that position, I know I'm there for him to fix me. Do you understand what I just said? I haven't done enough church yet that I have become pastorless. So that's why you choose to say, I'm going to use the wounds and make me wise to learn the ways of God. A man who does not smoke, doesn't have the smell of cinders in the pulpit, is not a very wise man. Number four, number five, look what it says. So that he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and led them by his skillful hand. Um, the word hand, you ready, means hand. It means he had a touch upon their life. Some of you have a very personal relationship with me. Some of you don't. That's your choice. 
It's not mine. It's yours. I'm here. There was this touch upon them. That's what a shepherd does. They said that, Dr. Reeder, there's 4,000 people that attend his service in Birmingham. Can you imagine 4,000 Presbyterians getting together? I mean, you could hang meat in that room. Frozen chosen. They said he had the capacity to know every one of their names. And he spent his time. I only know of one other pastor that's done that. It's Chuck Swindle, who is now a ruling elder at his church and no longer the pastor there at Stonebriar. Dr. Reeder knew when you had a baby. Dr. Reeder knew when you had a death in your family. Dr. Reeder knew when you got an A on your report card. I do not have that kind of capacity or that memory. But he did. And he shepherded them skillfully according to his hand. And I would not be surprised at whoever preaches his sermon. That's their text. And number six, he led them. That means guided. The Hebrew means he was in charge of. But let me tell you what that in charge of means. It doesn't mean he was in charge of them to say when they'll stand or when they'll sit or when they'll come or when they'll go or when they'll sing or when they'll shout. He'd been given charge over them to lead them. And the Lord God reveals here that the people that followed him were the ones that he had called out and had promised peace. And if you know your Bible history, that when David laid down and died, there was peace. Because God had fulfilled what he prophesied in Ezekiel. And then he came to Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, the Good Shepherd, who gives his life for the sheep, the Great Shepherd, and now the glorified shepherd. You need to ask God always to make sure that you and your loved ones are under a shepherd of God. He needs to be burned around the edges, but not by you. He needs to smell of smoke. He doesn't run at the first sign of somebody saying something ugly about his wife. Thank God he still gives churches shepherds. Can you imagine how terrible it would be if tomorrow he took out every man of God like Harry Reader? Can you imagine? He won't. Because he said, I'm going to take care of those who are fake. And I'm going to take care of those sheep that are real and I'm going to pull them out from the fake. They may not like it, but they're going to come out. And then I'm going to give them men that are going to teach them peace in the midst of cancer, 
in the midst of an election, whatever, in the midst of storming the Capitol, in the midst of bad marriages, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of wounding, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of death to your past or death to your future, they will teach you my peace that endures forever and show you this too shall pass for in Christ alone our hope is found. Thank God for a fulfilled prophecy. Thank God He's not done. And if you're ever motivated to do it, pray these things over me. Because truly I won't be here to see it. I'd, I want my epitaph left to mankind to be live less lost-like and more Christ-like. And I want that word put on there from Psalm 78, but I'm, I'm aiming for something totally different. It's not what I can read on a tombstone. Because in James it says, my judgment's going to be far worse than yours. I want to hear these words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And I won't remember those people that didn't think so. Because I cannot wait to see the one I've been preaching to you about. And my eyes of faith give way to eyes of sight. And I just hope but for a moment my house will be right there by the pearly gates so I can watch the sheep I've pastored walk in. Hallelujah. And watch them embrace Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. He's not done. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He'll do it because He said it and He says it. That settles it. Would you stand?